Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And what's up? What's up? Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark. GC Live coming at you. The fresh and clean edition uh, <laughs> for uh, Chris Clark brought to you by unofficial sponsor, Iris Springs. Again, I'm Wes. He's Chris. It's GC Live, home of the game day chair, affordablemedicalusa.com. Is our sponsor at 803-926-1493. Go check out the game day chair and um, any other supplies they may have that you're looking for. They are our primary sponsor here on GC Live. It is the Thursday show. It is, would you say this is coaching search day four? Like, would Monday be day one or... Would Sunday have counted as day one officially? I'm going day five. Day five. Well, we rolled we rolled our first coaching update on Sunday night on Gamecock Central. So this would be day day five then. This is Sunday five. would have been day one. So day five, coaching search. Um it is here. It is Thursday afternoon. And uh welcome in. I see the folks in the, the comments are going crazy already in the chat. No matter where you're watching, be it Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, which is the best, I believe, or listening after the fact on all the major podcast platforms, regardless of where it is, we do appreciate you joining us here for the show. We are going to talk a little bit of Missouri. There is an actual football game, we think, on Saturday. I can't really say that with any certainty, Chris. I was listening to Gabe Yarman, who's going to join us at about 2.15, listen to him in uh, Mitchell 40 who is uh, the reporter at PowerMizzou.com, is um, is he Pat Forty's son? That's right. You got, got to be. Yeah, I, I assumed he was. Uh, but Gabe, actually, probably one of my favorite publishers in the Rivals Network, and uh, Gabe will be on. Last night, they had a live show, and their assumption, we're going to ask Gabe about this, their assumption is that there's going to be a football game between the two Columbias on Saturday. And it almost, Chris, sounded like reading between the lines that even if Missouri dipped below that number, that they were going to make it happen and, and play anyway. Because at this point, they're, they're, you're running out of room to even reschedule games. Yeah. South Carolina, frankly, doesn't want to reschedule any games because, you, you know, we're, we've talked about it, the, the timeline for this coaching search. So, to, to me... I think both sides, even if they – I mean, I think you can dip below that number and still actually play if you want to. It seems to me like both sides are probably going to be like, let's go play football. Yeah. I mean, uh, talking – I talked to Gabe a little bit about that yesterday, just texting over the phone, something like that, and and, and he mentioned the same thing. There's an appetite, all parties involved, whether it's each individual school, the SEC, to get the thing done, go play, finish out this season – we're already probably – there's been a lot of talk about all the different cancellations. Man, honestly, all that was expected. We knew there would be cancellations, postponements. 
that was talked about in the spring. Remember? I mean, hey, are we going to get, you know, and so the, the bigger concern was can you even get through the season without shutting the whole thing down? And so far, that's what it looks like. It looks like good to go. So um, it's a positive that they've gotten this many games in overall, at least in my opinion. And so, yeah, it looks like everybody, no, it's not ideal circumstances for Missouri, not ideal circumstances for South Carolina or the league, but just go play and get your games in to finish out the year. If you have to send a third-string guy out there, so be it. You know, right. at this point, what what does it really matter? Send, send – if you got enough guys to play, which I think even if you're at that 55 or what, whatever the number is, you can go play a game. Now, last I checked, neither of these teams are competing for an SEC East championship this year. So, with that being out, I can understand early in the season – if a, a bunch of your best players are down and you're still competing for something, I get it. I really do. But at this point, Chris, finish out the season. Let's get the games in. And this, then let's move forward and let's hopefully have a, a much better situation next year where, you know, there's a vaccine in place and, and we know way more about this thing and, and we can just go play a little bit normal, a, a much more normal, I should say, of a season. Hopefully, this time next year. Um, okay, so everybody wants to talk coaching search again. We'll have Gabe on at about two fifteen. Can uh, but have you sent a Gabe invite yet, Chris? Gabe has been invited to the party officially, and okay, so, sweet. Yeah, he should be walking through the door at about two fifteen ish. So he will pop in. Where I will ask you generally, man, because I've seen I've seen a lot of discussion about people already naming who the coach is going to be, uh, you know, fans, predictions, stuff like that. I actually have a pretty good idea for a contest I want to do on on the Insiders Forum, but we'll get to that maybe later in the week. Okay. Where, where do you think this search is at right now as far as the actual process goes? As far as we, we, know, we know the start date, officially at least, um, as far as when the, the search started. We know the hopeful end date. Where do you think it is in the process right now? You know, I think everything that we've gotten sort of points to it being on track. And what I mean by that is you can sort of see the process playing out. You know, we know that there are some candidates on, on the board that have been there from the start. We know that certain guys are being vetted. Now, have there been a couple – have there been have there been some movements? Yes, some guys have dropped off substantially. Some guys have stayed and fluctuated from there. Some newer guys, you know, we wrote about a new name last night on the Insiders Forum in our report. You know, some and and there are surely some out there that we don't know about that we haven't been able to report yet. We'll do our best to throw everybody in the mix that's actually in the mix. But you can see it moving along. You can see some guys being struck. You can see some guys really being vetted and you feel you get the sense that they're moving closer to, okay, interview time, you know, let's narrow the list. Let's get there. Um, when exactly is that going to be? We'll see Wes, maybe, you know, a little bit more about that for here in the, in the near future that you'll be reporting on maybe, but uh, you can sort of, I don't want to say you can see the end in sight, but like, you understand that the process is, is going through and is working right now. Where is it going to lead? We, we don't know yet, but there's been a lot of activity, a lot of movement 
already in the process to where you feel like they're going to be able to get <clears throat> to that hire. Um, when is it going to be? That is another key question. And that is going to depend on the candidate, whoever the guy ends up being. When does his season end? When does he available to, to leave to head to Columbia? Those things are going to certainly play into when this actually happens. Yeah. And dude, I, I think, um, this discussion will go deeper later on, I'm, I'm sure. But whoever the coach is, yes, they're trying to make the hire before the early signing period. But it's really going to be a, to still the one of the words of the year, unprecedented, in that there's not even between. You could even you know most years you would you would have until February. Well, now, as of, you know, a few years ago, we have the early signing period, and that, that's affected coaches who are, are new at their place. Well, hey, now, guess what? You can't meet the, the guys in person before the early signing period. Hey, guess what? You can't meet them in person before the February signing period. And then on top of this, your junior recruiting, your, your 2022s, when you would normally have a junior day early, you know, in a lot of a lot of schools nowadays, y'all will have junior days in January. But certainly over the years, you see January, February, March, you have junior days. Not gonna be able to have those in person either. I mean, I remember the buzz, the buzz when Muschamp went straight from his press conference to go to TJ Brunson's school, and then yeah. went to uh, went down to Conway to meet with Brian Edwards, uh-huh. and sort of the buzz that generated. Went by Tavian Feaster's school, or, or Bentley did, I guess. Uh, shortly after that, you create some buzz by showing up at, at at a school and being the new South Carolina coach is here to visit. Well, you you can't do that anymore. It, it's going to all be over Zoom. So I, I think, in some ways, as you build out this staff, whether it's the head coach or the assistants they bring in there is going to be some value in some prior relationships with kids because there's always value in that. But you you need that sort of relationship to fall back on because it's really hard to make an instant relationship over this, over Zoom, over a screen. And now I was thinking about this from a, a different perspective. The other side of this, let's say you're Shane Beamer or Billy Napier and you get this job, and you need to touch base with as many kids as possible between now and early signing period. In a normal year, with the timeline of when you would be hired, um, you know, you'd be hired before the dead period has started, and you'd have to literally physically travel to all these places. Well, now, because it's Zoom only, you can knock out yeah. multiple <clears throat> in-home visits, you know, sit, sitting in your office at the ops building in Columbia. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're a coach who, shoot, if you're a coach who has, you know, maybe is playing for a championship even, and you're doing the double dip, you could be sitting in your office in Louisiana or Oklahoma, going ahead and talking to prospects. So there's a ton of negatives, but there may also, you know, life is what you make of it. There may be some some positives, actually, because we're all in the same boat with this stuff. 
Can you imagine, because uh, a lot of people have done <clears throat> what you're talking about, they've stayed with their team, like if they're in the playoff, for instance, uh, like like Jeff Scott did with Clemson. I mean, that's the first example that came to my mind. He got the South Florida job. He stayed with Clemson through the playoff as an assistant coach. Can, I mean, can you imagine trying to do that? Do they sleep at all? You know, <laughs> or even if even if you're one of these guys that are candidates right now, I mean, you're, you're trying to, for the South Carolina job, you're still with your team, whether you're a head coach, a position coach, a coordinator, whatever you may be, and then you're trying to get your ducks in a row to make a run at this job. I mean, that is a crazy workload, you know, when you think about it. And, and for the guy that does get the job, what's the situation going to be? Is he starting immediately? Is he not? You know, I get the sense that South Carolina wants somebody that can jump right in. But if it's a sitting head coach and say he's going to, you know, say he's got his team for a conference title game, that's different than a bowl game. Bowl game, yeah. guys, we see guys all the time say, all right, guys, you know, I got to resign. We'll name an interim coach for the bowl game, go play. A conference title game is a is a way different thing. You know, you just you don't see guys walk away from scenarios like that. And frankly, I don't think I'd want the guy that would walk away from no. a conference championship because I'm sure he's told his team all year long that that's the goal. You know, make make right. a conference championship. And so if the guy wants to just walk away, um, probably not the guy I want to hire in the first place. So. Now we have joining us, Gabe, I see you down there. Give me a thumbs up if you're ready for us to bring you in. He is, there it is, he's ready to go. It is Gabe DeArmond, PowerMizzou.com. Gabe, uh, I know you're busy as always, man. We appreciate the time. Uh, How's it going? Not bad. How are you guys doing? I mean, I'm not as busy as you, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're we're good, man. We're hanging in there. And um, it is the year 2020. So the first question I have to ask in the year 2020 is do you think there's going to be a football game between South Carolina and Missouri on Saturday? <laughs> as of Thursday at one fifteen Central Time, yes. Um, ask me again Friday morning about nine a.m. Uh, Missouri gets its last round of tests back, you know, sometime tomorrow morning. From everything we're hearing, they really want to play, and I think that means even if they're a little bit under that 53 number, they might go ahead and play. Now, like last week, Missouri had three defensive linemen available. You can't really play a game that way. So if something like that happens, you never know. Missouri's really close to the number, but I think if there's a way to play, they're going to play. And I know Chris and I, Gabe, were just talking. We have done as little scouting, as little reading, as little anything on – a South Carolina opponent probably in the last five years. So tell us what – just broad picture, what do we need to know about this Missouri team? Well, I don't know if I know a whole lot more than you guys. This is going to be Missouri's third game in 42 days, uh, the first one in 21 days, right? Um, we've seen them look really bad and get run over by Tennessee. They come out the next week and give up 600 yards but beat LSU. They come out the week after that and beat Kentucky and give up 130 yards. So they've played every kind of game this year. Um, There's no such thing as consistency in this season. Um, Missouri's defense was supposed to kind of be the strong point, but they have given up 35 points in every game except that Kentucky game. And Kentucky just honestly doesn't have a a representative Power 5 offense at this point in time. So you kind of take that one out. Defense has given up some points. 
offense has looked really good at times, but the offensive and defensive lines are both just a patchwork thing right now. Like I said, they had three defensive linemen available last week. There are more than that this week, but definitely not all of them. Um, their first two, I think, uh, left guards are out. Um, one of them with an injury. One of them is suspended for the first half and maybe out for the whole game. We don't really know which guys are in contact tracing and which ones aren't, but there's going to be a kid making his first career start at left guard. Um, what I can tell you is Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty are really good, but they need places to run. And Nick Bolton is a star on defense, but obviously needs a little bit of help. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with this is, and you mentioned some of them, there are any more players that are critical for Missouri, whether they're key backups, whether they're starters, that we know for sure are going to be out? Um, Markel Utzi, we know, is out. He's suspended for the first half of the game, and and Drinkwitz kind of let slip, you know, that basically uh, one of the suspended players isn't going to be, or two of the suspended players weren't going to be available anyway. So uh, we believe Markel Utzi's not playing. Kobe Whiteside, who would be a starting defensive tackle, and I think was either first or second team All-SEC in the preseason, is still injured. We don't expect him to play. Starting tight end Daniel Parker has been ruled out for a second straight game. Um I, I think that's most of them. You know, it's a little bit, it really is your whole week this year is spent figuring out, first of all, are they going to play? And then second of all, who's going to play? And a lot of times you don't really know until they take the field for warmups. Gabe, uh, I know here, and it's obviously a different situation in Columbia, South Carolina right now than Columbia, Missouri, but we keep hearing people say, you know, it's, it's been a long year, like the, the, yeah. what these kids have, have been through. And I, I know maybe, maybe it's different with Missouri because they, they just haven't played in, in three weeks. So maybe they're chomping at the bit to get out there. But but what is the vibe around the program there right now? Because here it's sort of just been like, man, they, they've been – they practiced forever before they ever got to play. And yeah. Go ahead. all the tests, all, all the t- – you know, it's just – it's sort of been I'm, – I'm not saying everybody's ready for the year to be over, but it's just sort of – it's a it's a just a weird vibe around here, man. Yeah, I, I think there are two ways you can go with it. I, there were a lot of people, I think, who said, man, if we get football, I'm going to be more interested than I've ever been because we didn't think mm-hmm. we we're going to have it. And, and I'm happy just to have games and you've got people watching. I mean, I got people really mad at me when I said I didn't like football enough to watch Central Arkansas play UAB the first week of the season. Right. <laughs> um and some people have gone that way. I went that way with the Masters last weekend. Like I watched like 11 hours of golf on Thursday and Friday because I was just so excited it was happening. Now, with college uh-huh. football, this doesn't seem like a season to me. It, it just seems like every now and then there's some games, right? It's as many games as you can play. They're like just individual tests, but there's no cohesion to it. It's not a, You're not getting a grade for a class. You're just getting eight or nine different individual grades for a, a, a test, and I don't know. It's weird. It, I'm glad they're playing games, but Drinkwood said, I think earlier this week, this is their 18th week of practice and they've played five games. And these kids are being asked to give up the college student experience basically to play mm-hmm. a few games so their athletic department can have money from ESPN. I mean, that's what this all boils down to in the end. I, I would think the Missouri team is, I, I, I talked to Chris on for our show and I said, this to me is a give a crap game. And I don't know if South Carolina or will or not, but Missouri should. I mean, they've got a first year coach who they've overachieved this year. I think they were going to be picked in the preseason to go two and eight. Missouri hadn't been favored in a game yet. 
Uh, this is the first week they will be. They're two and three. If you look at their schedule, they're going to have a decent chance to win four of their last five if they play the last five. If Eli Drinkwitz finishes five and five or six and four in year one and in this weird deal with no spring football and no fall camp early and all that and 54 guys on his roster, you got to feel pretty good about things going forward. So I think the guys Missouri has are excited to play. It's just a question of who they have. All right. So you did mention Eli Drinkwitz first year, obviously at the helm there process that got to him was interesting for you. Um, We are in the midst of a coaching search. I have leaned on you in the past to, you know, talk about lessons learned and and, and things like that. Give us some interesting coaching search stories. I'm just going to open end it for you. Okay. Well, I've been through, I think, four basketball coaching searches and two football coaching searches. This one, I hope your guys goes the way ours went this year because I'm just going to be honest. It made a lot of money for us. That's kind of the goal here. Um, But to get to Drinkwitz, so – the way a coaching search always starts is these fans throw out like, is Jim Harbaugh going to leave Michigan? Maybe Nick Saban's wife hates living in Tuscaloosa. You know, maybe, uh, maybe Andy Reid is now he's won a Super Bowl. Maybe he's tired of that and wants to take on a new challenge, right? And so those kind of quickly go out the window and you start putting out the names that you're actually hearing. And ev- inevitably fans go, well, our program's better than that. I, if, if we fired that guy to hire this guy, what, what are we even doing here, right? And we we did that. And the three names were uh, Jeff Munkin, who I know his name's come up a little bit there. And it made no sense to me because I said- Easy, easy. You're going to piss some people <laughs> off in the chat. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, I, there were a few Missouri fans that were okay with it. And my whole thing was, this guy's done nothing but triple option. And everyone at Missouri was telling me, no, don't worry. If he comes here, he's not going to run the triple option. Well, then why do you want him to come here? I mean, he hasn't, you know, you're not running triple option in the SEC. And all he's ever done is triple option. So that was dumb. Uh, then Blake Anderson's name was involved from Arkansas State. He, he was fine, solid, you know, by by all, everything we heard, he was the leader of the three-man final group. And honestly, I can't even remember the third, but it was another very light. Okay, I mean, I guess it makes sense to have fired Barry Odom for these guys, but not really. So Jim Sturk took those names to the board of curators, and the board of curators basically said, yeah, that's not good enough, Jim. But that's not how this is going to go, right? So then they went back out on the road, and uh, Missouri would like to insist this is not true, but enough of us reported it and know it's true that it's true. Um, and so they go back out on the road and they kind of settle on Eli Drinkwitz. And, you know, it's the week of the Sunbelt title game. And they they basically make this uh, desperation plea to Drinkwitz, which, you know, Eli, he did a good job in his one year as head coach. He appears to be a really good head coach, but even he has joked they're paying me $4 million. Like he's won 11 games in his career, right? Maybe, yeah, I think 11 because he left before the bowl game. And so God love Jimmy Sexton made that man some money um, in those negotiations because I really don't think it was a negotiation. I think it was, well, I mean, your board already told you that you did a bad job the first time around. So I've kind of got you over a barrel here. And and look, Eli may end up being worth $24 million, which is what they're paying him. But um, he definitely got a raise out of that. Um, I I think my favorite coaching search uh, stories were, were basketball related. There was a Missouri had a handshake agreement with Matt Painter back in, uh, I don't know, whenever they hired Frank Haith, like 2012. Um, Basically Painter had said yes. And 
a couple of Missouri media outlets even reported Matt Painter's the next head coach. Well, what had happened, he was on vacation and he said, before we announce this, let me go back to West Lafayette, meet with my team and and tell my players and all that. He goes back to West Lafayette. Gene Cady spends hours saying, please don't do this. Please don't do this. He goes to face a team that had Kyle Singler coming back and a bunch of guys, and he just can't tell him he's leaving. He calls Missouri and backs out, and Missouri ends up hiring Frank Hayes. Like we were joking, Mike Alden was just walking around the Final Four going, hey, anybody? Anybody want to take that? Like literally, I had diehard fans saying, who in the world is Frank Haith when they hired him? And then he won 31 games his first year. It didn't go so well after that. But uh, coaching searches are fun, man. Actually, they're fun for like two weeks. And then you're like, all right, we got to get this done because like I want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's been like that. All, we, were, we were talking about, all right, this is day five. So yeah. we've put out the initial names. You're sort of going day by day, but now you're like, all right, let's let's get a little more movement. Let's get a new name. In reality, you guys can't get any movement for a month. Like most of these guys are coaching unless they just happen to talk to somebody who's out of the game or whatever. And I, I don't think that sounds super likely. Like, you know, the, the, the names that make sense, like those guys aren't taking this job in the next three weeks. Yeah, I think we've we've already we've already eliminated um Urban Meyer from our yeah. discussions. Uh, no, no Bob Stoops. That one popped up uh, right off the bat, as usual. Luckily, I told Chris to start a Harbaugh rumor. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know we, we've had a we've had a James Franklin rumor, okay. um, which that is always a big, sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily, Gr- Gruden has a job now, so that one is Correct. that's yeah, the normal not- SEC. Well, and and look, like Tennessee has set the standard for coaching searches, right? You don't have a good coaching search unless you get Tennessee. If you can beat Tennessee, then you got a hell of a story going on. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. So, um, give give us your perspective, Gabe. If you're if you're South Carolina, um, what what would you be looking for in a head coach? Um, I don't I don't know if you want names or just in general. Yeah. What what would you be looking for? Well, look, I always say, uh, and I. I think Missouri and South Carolina are fairly similar football programs. That's a fair thing to say, right? Mm. Um, You know, historically, I mean, Missouri way back had a little bit more success and they both had really good runs there from kind of 05 to 15 and and have slipped off. I I think they're pretty similar. And I always tell Missouri fans at the beginning of a, a coaching search, like the guy that has proven himself to be a winner at a power five program ain't taking this job. Like, you can do it all. Now, you might get really lucky. Arkansas, when they hired Brett Bielamo away from Wisconsin, everybody said, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Well, obviously, there was an agent behind the scenes making calls saying, look, my guy's not happy there. So maybe there's a guy out there like that. And if for some reason James Franklin hates State College or whatever, then sure, that's what you go do. But speaking in the world of reality, you've got to find the guy that he isn't that guy yet, but you think it's that he is going to be. I, I So I like the Eli Drinkwitz hire because – it's not one of these. I mean, honestly, the Muschamp hire a few years ago, I think most people looked at it and said, but he's kind of proven he can't win in big in this league. So you're asking him to do something that he's already shown he he isn't really capable of doing. So Eli Drinkwitz hasn't proven he can win here yet, but he hasn't proven he can't either. And that's what I think South Carolina needs to look at. To me, there's two calls above everybody else. You call Billy Napier and you call Scott Satterfield, whichever order you want to call them in. Um, but to me, those are those are the clear two guys because I think you could probably get them both to take it. Satterfield has some ties at least to the area. You know, Napier, it's pretty well known once an SEC job. Um, 
his name came up. I did some research on him last year, and people told me Missouri had a job he would take, but South Carolina might be a job he'd take. Uh, so to me, those are one and two on the list in some order, and I think if South Carolina gets either one of those, I think their fans should be really happy about it. Yeah, both of those guys actually in the mix since you since you mentioned them. So good thoughts there. Um, yeah, so it, that's all I've got, Wes, I think, for Gabe. I, I know don't want to – you have anything else for him before we let him run? Well, did uh, so did did Satterfield come up at all with uh, the Missouri? He gig? didn't because he was in the middle of year one at Louisville, That's, and, and yeah. getting him to leave there wasn't really. And you know, I, I think people might look at him this year and go, "But he's two and six. But you know, he he did it basically. Drinkwitz got the Missouri job because of Satterfield, because that was his program at App State, and he he turned Louisville around big time in year one. So I, I think he's a heck of a coach and. uh you know, I, I think both those guys are good. And if you go the coordinator route, like Dan Lanning at Georgia, you know, he's ready for a head coaching job somewhere. Um, so I think that's possible. And uh, you, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, and it's so hard to judge anything this year. But but for the most part, when when the hire was made, were people relatively happy with drink wits? And as the year has gone on, is is it still sort of honeymoon phase, or are there still people that are sort of like, eh, no, no, I don't like this? No, I want Eli Drinkwitz's job because like nothing's going to be his fault for a long time, right? Here's the best advice you can ever give a coach. And Will Muschamp and Barry Odom both found this out. The worst thing you can do is follow the most successful guy, right? Odom yeah, and Muschamp yeah. were decent coach. They weren't terrible. I mean, they weren't great, but they weren't terrible. But they followed Pinkle and Spurrier, who did things at those schools that hadn't been done in 50 years. And the next guy was never going to be great. Now, be the guy that follows that guy, right? I mean, I said, be the guy that follows Kim Anderson in basketball at Missouri. Because, like, you're going to be better. And so people are going to think you're way better even than you are. Eli Drinkwitz, is, it's going to be 2023 before Missouri fans really will blame him for anything that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, man. Gabe, uh, we appreciate the time. Know you're busy. Good insight. Um, hopefully there's a football game on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, I think there is. So we'll see, man. We appreciate it, as always. All right. All right, Thanks. guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks, Gabe. Good stuff. As always, that's Gabe DeArmond. Go check him out. PowerMizzou.com if you want to read the Missouri perspective. Gabe, as you can tell, man, dude, we have had some great guests on this show. I'm going to go ahead and toot our own horn. Um, if you disagree then uh, you probably aren't listening to the show anyway. I think we've had some great guests. Gabe, an- another five-star. I will go ahead and claim it, another five-star guest here. And you can tell, man, he's he's been through some coaching search wars. Um, I, I could feel the scars through the screen that he's been yeah. through some coaching search coverage wars, I think. Yeah, man. G- Gabe, I've talked with him. There's probably been hours of conversations about coaching search stuff. Sometimes just uh, even leaning on him for some advice because he has done it so much. There's a few people that we know in the industry who are veterans of coaching searches. He is one of them. So just advice on how to handle certain situations or um, just hearing some of the funny stories, man, that that come up because there's there's always a lot of them. You know, we have some from our last coaching search here in 2015, certainly some crazy stuff. Um, always an interesting time. Everybody, uh, you know, I'm looking haggard right now, sound haggard. And uh, I, t- I talked to somebody on the phone last night. I'd literally fallen asleep on the bed, kept my phone ringer on because I feel like I have to. And somebody called and I, I sort of talked, you know, struggled my way through the conversation. They told me it sounded like I was going to die. 
so that they were going to let me go. So, so Gabe, Gabe has told me about all those, uh, all those different things too, in the course of his uh, searches. So he, he's really good though at what he does covering Mizzou. Yes. Uh, great. And and luckily they, um, I say luckily there, there are, there are strong advantages to covering a coaching search as Gabe said um, financially, but luckily, you know, South Carolina, we've, See, I, I don't get there. There's sort of this thought process that I've seen on Twitter, you know, social media. Well, you can't just fire a guy every five years and, and restart. Well, that's really not the South Carolina mo. You know, I, I think you look and y- yes, and you know, in baseball with Chad Holbrook, that that was sort of the case. But and here with Muschamp, that was the case. But I mean. Frank Frank Martin's been there for for a long time now. Obviously, Steve Spurrier was here for almost twelve years. Granted, it, it is Steve Spurrier, but I, I don't feel like this school, at least recently, has sort of been in the all oh, just overreact and, and fire a guy uh, mindset. And because we because we haven't really had to follow a coaching search, um, you know, in, in football certainly in, in a while, and and really overall, it's not like we're sitting here following coaching searches every year. Yeah, I mean the the last coach at South Carolina that was fired was you know 1998 with uh, with Brad Scott. You know Lou Holtz retired, Steve Spurrier resigned in the middle of the you know 2015 season, and so Will Muschamp was the first one since 1998. You know, and then if you want to go even before that, you know uh, Sparky Woods, you know obviously was one, but uh, you know they're, they're Jim Carlin retired. You know so. It's uh, it hasn't been a history of starting over that much. There, there's been stability in that regard, and that they have not started over all the time. But it was, you know, as we've discussed, man, on the program several times now, it was time for them to to have a fresh start. And so it's a little different circumstance than last time with Steve Spurrier, where it was middle of the season, and then you got all this time to think about it up until you know they actually made a hire. Tim on Facebook uh, said he's heard nothing about Satterfield. Um, first of all, Tim needs to take advantage of our Search 25 promo code, and um, he'd see us talk about Satterfield a little bit. He was on our initial hot board, and obviously, Chris, you wrote about him Monday or Tuesday. It was earlier in the week. It was early at some point this week. So I, I think it was sort of intriguing to me that, that Gabe, you know, I always like to hear what the different – other reporters are who follow, you know, college ball and follow the SEC with what their thoughts are. Obviously, Napier comes up again, but Satterfield is a guy that I don't feel like necessarily moved the needle with the fan base initially when that name comes out. But if you sort of look at, at what he's done in the past, um, it, you know, it is what Satterfield has done. Let, let's take, let's, let's take away the Louisville. Um, tenure right now even is what he has done at app in the past that different than what Napier you know ha- has done at, at Louisiana Lafayette to, the, to this point I mean I, I, I think you, you may if you're just a resume person you may look at Satterfield and say he he's more accomplished I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge Scott Satterfield who by all indications most people say this dude's just a ball coach, a super smart guy. Uh, you know, to judge him by having a two-win season right now at Louisville in year two, to me, does not seem 
necessarily fair. Well, and it was a everybody agreed it was a massive overachieve last year for Satterfield in year one. There, I don't think there was a person on the planet that would have said, "Yeah, they should probably win eight games in year one," given what they inherited, and they did. And so this year, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of why their season has gone this way. Most of the time, early in a coach's tenure in 2020 with COVID, et cetera, you know, people are going to get more of a pass on that. Or even if COVID wasn't here, especially when you go win eight games the first year, there's a lot of, there were a lot of things from a culture standpoint that Satterfield had to turn around, um, you know, and, and that's something that um, has been talked about a lot. We knew it was in bad shape for a variety of reasons. You know, roster standpoint was not great culture standpoint was not very good at all and so um you know he had he had to turn those things around and did a good job of that year one what's happened this year not quite as sure it's a legitimate question I don't think anyone is going to totally disqualify him for that reason though I think what you look at with Satterfield is that um you know he had yeah he has some Carolina's ties maybe you wonder about the recruiting some because of he's only been on the power five level he and his assistants for a couple years um and you know, but you look at the fact that, like you said, West ball coach, he's a guy that had, he helped usher sort of app state from their old, old offense into the sort of modern era and had a lot of success. Then went back, was their head coach and did a really nice job there. And then at Louisville did a really nice job in year one and turning things around. <clears throat> Jason Wade weighing in on Facebook. Uh, what's up, Jason? Um, says Satterfield is an interesting name. And uh, reiterates Louisville was in a much worse spot than Carolina is right now. And, and I, I think that's true. So it, it's it, it's not really fair, as I said, to judge a coach on a year two situation. When hope Hopefully year two ain't going to be your best year, right? I mean, hopefully year two means uh, you're, you're starting to build, not uh, – you don't – I mean, look at the – look at Muschamp. Year two was the best year. And and then it went the, the wrong direction as far as wins and losses. Um, Lewis on Facebook, Chris, wants to talk a little bit about Neil Brown. I know that's a guy you've always sort of been intrigued by. What um, what qualities about Neil Brown would intrigue you? And, and Rodney, by the way, says, I've heard about Satterfield and another name, and it only cost me $25. So there you go. Go Be like Rodney. Don't be like – I can't remember who asked. Don't be like the other guy. Be not, be like Rodney. Sign up, GamecockCentral.com, code SEARCH25. But, yeah, Chris, what do you think about um, Neil Brown as a coach? So, when Neil – that's another guy that took a program and did some really good things with it early. You know, he, he had been an assistant at Troy. So, there was that familiarity with the school already. Uh, went back as the head coach. Um and then I think a lot of Gamecock fans may remember because they're probably sitting there rooting for Troy um, <laughs> that they went into Death Valley and lost thirty to twenty four against the Tigers. I think the year that Clemson ended up winning the national title. And you remember that was there's that really controversial play on the goal line, and some people thought Troy sort of got screwed out of the game. But they did that. Um, they uh, they got they were ranked. I think they won ten games for maybe the first time since they were in FBS. They joined FBS in two thousand one. Um, culture type builder, outstanding person from what I've heard in the in the industry. Just a a really good you know solid person. Has some recruiting ties in Alabama. Um, 
has some recruiting ties in Georgia. Even at West Virginia, they'll where he is now, they'll they'll dip down, you know, into into this area. And so last year wasn't a great year for them. This year they've you know they've been close on a couple games like the Texas game. Uh, couple so there are two other things I thought of. One was after the Texas game, Neil Brown, I told you this story, Wes. They lost by what a field goal or six points, something like that. And they had an opportunity to try some field goals. And he went the other direction because of analytics and said that felt like they needed to score touchdowns at that point. And so they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. And he, he came after the game. He said, that's on me, you know, but if I had to do it again, I would do it again. So, so, you know, some aggressiveness there. Uh, Another thing about Neil Brown at Troy, uh, you remember they, they went into LSU at death Valley and won. Uh, they snapped LSU's 46-game non-conference home winning streak at the time was the longest streak in the country. So he's got a reputation as a guy that you know knows how to sort of build a program, not a quick fix guy, build a program the right way, and is a really good person. And, and I think you're that, that's what you're looking for. Not, not I'm not saying Neil Brown is the guy, but I'm saying that I think the the hardest thing to do in sports is to not to win, but to win consistently. Like, who who's the guy who can come in? I mean, I, I think with all the Hugh Freeze talk, not saying Hugh Freeze isn't a great coach on the field, but could Hugh Freeze bring South Carolina um, excitement off the bat and re-energize people, and would it be talked about on ESPN a lot? A- absolutely. But would Hugh Freeze – create sustained success at South Carolina, I think that's a much bigger question mark and, and something that I would have very strong reservations about if I was the one making the decision. Now, n- none of these are sure things, but if Neil, if Neil Brown was very interested in South Carolina, um, that's a guy I'd have to have a long conversation with and just see see what his thought process is because I think, for, for one – that that answer about fourth downs and going for it, that that's the future of college football. That's that's the now of college football. That that you know the Kiffin, we we've got four downs to get a first down as opposed to uh, we've got three downs to avoid a punt. To me, is is the way you have to approach the game. So I, I think if regardless of who it is, if I'm sitting down, I want to know their approach on when to kick field goals, when to go for it. Um, how aggressive are you? The, all the analytics say the more aggressive you are on fourth downs, the, the better off. And I, I think also much like if, you know, it seems like if, if you hire a defensive guy one year fan, and it doesn't work out, fans want an offensive guy. May, maybe if you have a few offensive guys and you have no defense, fans are like, we got to get somebody that can bring a daggum defense in here. But point being, after watching field goals for five years, a big part, I truly believe, a big part of the selling the fan base on this thing, Chris, is going to be a guy that. What, what are you laughing at? I thought you had passed out for a second. No, um, after, after watching field goals for five years, it just cracked me up for some reason. I don't know why. Sorry, <laughs> and I'm I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean, man. Every yeah. a, a guy, I mean, Kip, Kiffin's kicked like five field goals this year, I think. So yeah. attempts, um, maybe less. So. I think being able to say that in the first press conference is important because uh, 
for one, that's that's what the analytics say, and two, that's where the fans are right now. You know, and I don't know, going back to Neil, first of all, I have no idea if he's interested in the job. There's reason to believe that he's being discussed, as we reported, and I've got more detail on, on GamecockCentral.com. Um, but, you know, two years at West Virginia, he got a nice contract there um, and looks to be doing a good job. He's, he, I think he's a guy that – and I'll just make a general statement about him. I think any job he interviewed for, he's going to come – people who interview him are going to come away saying this guy's impressive because he's he's a great person. He's a culture builder, but he also is pretty progressive in his thinking, just like you're talking about, Wes, whether it's analytics. There's a story that came out recently about some of the stuff they did for COVID that was sort of cutting edge to try to help them out this season. Um, so he's, he's a guy that's, he's sort of a thinker. He's a thinker and a listener. And I think, um, you know, th- those are some intriguing qualities and uh, also has a good reputation just as a coach and a recruiter. So uh, definitely a guy that was intriguing. I had a feeling that he would come up in the process and, and so far he has. I think he's moving up my personal board. The more you talk about him, because there's, there's a, there's a lot to, there's a lot to like about that thought and and covering a guy with those traits and like you said I think he's a good dude some some fans may not think that matters but I I personally think that it it does and you want someone that genuinely cares about his players and genuinely has the right intentions because all the rah rah BS can work at the beginning when you're trying to remotivate a team but if you don't really truly care about your guys it eventually comes out and if you're not a good dude that eventually comes out as well so it's easy to say just win just win just win but to me that's that's not all of it because part of winning is is being a good dude and and caring about your players as well so i think that's that's a factor and the, the fact that he's a thinker as you put it I think it's probably a trait um, I'd be looking for as well. So, um, Chris, you want to tell everybody about our friends? Uh, let's see, what direction should we go? Let's tell everybody about Dead Soxy and how you can go to deadsoxy.com and use the code COCKY. Yeah, man, Wes just put it up for you there on the screen for those of you who are actually watching. And if you're listening, that is D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Getting colder, Wes and I have been rocking the Dead Soxy socks, whether it's the no-shows, the boardroom, dress socks go check those guys out browse their selection some gamecock sort of more theme stuff coming in the near future but go check out really soft socks uh they got their patented no slip technology little beads so they don't slip up and down on you and if you use the promo code cocky that is of course c-o-c-k-y you get 30 percent off your entire order at dead Soxy. so make sure you go check those guys out and we appreciate their support make sure you support them and check out their awesome Sucks. All right, y'all. I know we're we're a little short on the hour right now, but Chris, I what rather than us just um, go on and on for the next fifteen minutes, let's cut it a little bit short today. I know we both have some work. We're trying to get caught on caught up on content wise for the site, so um, I would look uh, potentially for another update um, from us at, at some point today, hopefully. And um, if you are not a subscriber. Please, uh, please come check us out, GamecockCentral.com. And certainly if you are a subscriber, hopefully you're already on there and watching this right now. Muted, Chris, muted. Man, I had, that one hadn't got me that much, but it got me that that's time. Two da- that's two days in a row. 
<laughs> two days in a row and it's twice today. So man, that's not good. But um, yeah. yeah, so lots of activity happening, you know, every day in the search. Um, excited about some more stuff that we've got coming soon. We've had updates every day, even on Sunday night, you know, when the news about the coaching change came down, had our first update then on sort of the process and candidates. So we'll continue to update it on GamecockCentral.com. So again, search 25, make sure that you join us on the Insiders Forum. Chris Moody says, no, don't cut it short. Sorry, Chris. We got a lot of work to do, though. And we just, dude, we'd just be BSing for the next 12 minutes. So don't want to do that. Want to get some, uh, we want quality time, quality content. And um, we're at 48 minutes. So it ain't like we just went 15 minutes. It's close enough. So we're going to do that. I've got, you know what? I got to make a phone call that I've been needing to make all week long um, about possibly getting something else I can give away here on the show. I'm going to give away, if this works out, I'm going to give away a bunch of these products on GamecockCentral.com, but I'm going to save a couple of them for the show. So look forward to that. We will see you all tomorrow. You think at 2 o'clock, Chris? I think I'm thinking that's going to work. All right. Let's do tomorrow, 2 o'clock. We will see you all then. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Look forward to it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.